Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, resident Pastor Ramon dives into the book of Jonah with our new series, Disruptive Witness. Let's see what God's word has for us with resident pastor Ramon Belagamba. These next few weeks, all this rain, as I said again, um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on these last few days, but it's been very wet. And we're going to be joining <laughs> Jonah in the waters, all right? Um, so let, let everybody get in their Bibles um, on their phones. If you've got the physical copies, it's beautiful. We're still here. Um, hear the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to uh, go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea. And such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid. And each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the, into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, what are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lots singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what is this you've done? Then the men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, pick me up and throw me into the sea so that will come down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. And don't charge us with innocent blood, for you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by, great, by, the, by the great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That was the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. So this morning, I'm going to preach a message and called, Can I Get a Witness? Let's go to before the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, so grateful to be in your immaculate presence, to know the God who created the heavens and the earth, the one who controls the seas, um, the one who controls everything over the dry land. May Christ be glorified to his people. May Christ meet his people um, where their hearts need. Um, Holy Spirit, make sure of that. And uh, may we lift up Christ the greater Jonah this morning. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our matchless Lord, in his holy name. Amen, amen. So um, we, uh, as a church, we've been through a heartfelt sermon series um, these last few weeks by Pastor Antoine entitled Beloved. We needed that reminder, that reminder of our identity in Christ. And the fact is that it's rooted in the Father's love. We need to know that we are beloved before we can be the beloved. How can we be a witness for the kingdom of God if we don't know the king's deep love for us? So, family, it is my prayer that we keep growing as a community together to be what our communities need. Our communities need to see a beloved community, which is a disruptive witness to the kingdom of God in this world. The kingdom of this world, sorry. It is my hope that through our new series in the book of Jonah, that we can grow in being a disruptive witness. Family, I don't know about you, But I feel navigating the beginning of June until that 4th of July time is just an interesting time for me every year these last couple of years. And I say this from from the depths of my heart um, because my heart, the hearts of the people around me, our city and our country, they all sit in different places around the things that are celebrated during this time. And debatably, honestly, this could be the most unloving time of the year. And the thing about it, I honestly, I honestly hate to see it. The idols of our current culture, they really butt heads around that June to early July time. As we see nationalism, we see a little politicism, We see some individualism, some racism, and some consumerism, and they all start to knuckle up to start the summer. So in the church and outside the church, people are just literally talking past each other. And sometimes they get a little bit heated with one another over views of our nation, race, sexuality, church denominational annual meetings. And this year we had Roe versus Wade. So sadly, we see so much division and we see people retreating to their own camps. And my thought 
of what Jesus is saying to us is, can I get a witness? So say to your first neighbor, can I get a witness? To your other neighbor, can you say, can I get a witness? So family, this is where I feel the book of Jonah speaks so clearly to us to know how to be a disruptive witness in a divided culture and how we could be a beloved community in the midst of the noise of the world. How to not live as a disrupting witness, but as a disruptive witness to the kingdom of God. And the key is though that we pursue gospel witness through our gospel unity in Jesus. And because, what, because of what I've shared about how it goes down during this time of year, we as the church are seen as part of the problem. Hmm. Some people might even say we are the problem in our society. So church, how do we share the good news of the kingdom to a culture that is growing more and more hostile to us? I'm glad you asked. I can first tell you, we won't be following the way of Jonah. But God, but God, the hero of the story, shows us that he will work with us if we are seeing through a kingdom lens. And the big idea of our time this morning is Jesus saves people through any witness. Jesus saves people through any witness. So now let's move to Jonah chapter 1. And we'll see what instruction God has for us this morning. Um, so telling you a little bit about this guy named Jonah. So this fellow Jonah we are spending time with these next few weeks was no average Joe in the nation of Israel. Honestly, he was their pride and their joy. His words to his country as a prophet were on some let's make Israel great again vibes. Jonah was the man. He was the prophet that declared of Israel's restoration of its land and freedom during the reign of the wicked king Jeroboam. And we can look at that as 2 Kings 14, 25. So for Israel, it was actually a brief time of prosperity, culturally, economically, and militarily. And let's be honest, Jonah's cultural moment has similarities to our American culture that we have all lived in all of our lives. Hmm, it's quiet. <laughs> so this is where we meet Jonah, as we know him. And God gives him a new commission. God tells Jonah, leave the peace and comfort of Israel and go preach repentance to Israel's cruelest enemies. Whether we realize all the time or not, but 
Jonah's commission is no different than Jesus' commission to us as disciples. So if we're going to be faithful to our Lord, we're going to have to put some skin in the game. And we're going to have to leave our peace and comfort a little bit. I get it. I get it. I struggle with it daily myself. It's tempting to plant the gospel in, the, in a fresh expression in the most lost part of our state. That's what I'm currently doing every day. And literally, sometimes I just want to run. I want to run like Jonah. Real talk. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Why should I go into, go into this lion's den? Why should I? But it's my prayer as we go through this book this month as a family is that it leads us to three things. Greater faith. Greater hope. And greater love. Faith, hope, and love. As we seek to be the disruptive witnesses for the kingdom of God wherever the Lord has placed you. So whether it's fear, whether it's shame, anxiety, pride, indifference, or guilt, there is something that routinely keeps us from sharing the gospel. Every single person in here, we all struggle with that. It's our common struggle. So this message is for all of us wherever we find ourselves in this moment, whether it's trying to figure out how to share the word of Christ with a family, family member or a friend struggling with addiction, a hopelessness with life, whether it's a classmate or a neighbor who doesn't believe in God, whether it's a coworker who doesn't trust you because you identify as a Christ follower, we all have struggles. And you can think through right now what that, what that, who that individual in your mind is for you that you're trying to reach, that the Lord has put on your heart. But we're going to see in our first move here that Jonah runs from being God's witness to Nineveh. So God is calling Jonah to something different. And prophets, they don't holler at the nations. So even for those who have looked at this text over and over, over the years, and its original audience, it's tough to 100% know why Jonah ran with such reckless abandon to the other side of the world. Like, when you see that word Tarshish, that's literally, that's like us running to the Philippines right now because we got the Great Commission. That's what we see going on. The whole other side of the, the Mediterranean world. So right now where we are in the text, we have to think, was it, the, was it his patriotism to Israel? Was it going through his head that Jonah being seen as a false prophet to Israel since he proclaimed such great things? Was it the fear of traveling to the most violent land in the world? Or maybe it was just the hopelessness of mission, literally, that was put before him. So with reckless abandon, Jonah in his sin tried his best 
to hide from God. He wanted to flee from his presence. But he can't. No one can. Jonah knew this. He tried his best, but he knew that he could never leave the Lord's presence. And that only led him to depression and indifference. So that's what we see in this text. As you peep down, peep down verses 3 through 6. So something I want to make clear to y'all, that down is mentioned three times in those verses. And while the Gentile, when I say Gentile, I mean basically the non-God-fearing sailors are alert and they crying out to their gods. They know what time it is. They're literally crying out. There's a violent sea going on. And for them, they was like, yo, this is judgment from the gods. And they were begging for mercy. So what about your boy Jonah? What was your boy Jonah doing? Jonah was straight calling the hogs probably. He's probably slobbering on the pillow. More than likely in a deep sleep. God's prophet, if y'all not looking at these verses, God's prophet is super off. He is off. Jonah is showing us running away from God's presence only drags down the soul. Yo, Jonah should have known better that there is nowhere we can hide from God. He literally sees our every move. And we even see in verse 4, he sent a storm Jonah's way. But Jonah's disobedience has him not on timing. He isn't self-aware. It just isn't there. They who don't know the one true and only living God in this text, we see that they're praying. There's no concern for anyone or anything going down on this ship to Jonah. So when the sailors ask him questions, trying to find out who his God is, and he's and like, what's going on? What does he lead with? He leads with his ethnic identity. I'm a Hebrew. Rather than identifying with Yahweh, his God, which would, that would have lined up with the sailors' first questions. So you, that shows you he's just not, he's not thinking right. He's off. So you got to think about what the irony of this. And no, not through Jonah. God can't get a witness. God can't get a witness through Jonah. Y'all seeing that? And choosing not to honor God and preach to Israel's enemies, he rejected Israel's call to be a light to the nations. That was Israel's call throughout the Old Testament. Be a light to the nations. And Jonah has shown us that attempting to ghost God isn't the move. But it always shows us that we have to guard and watch our hearts. Two, as we turn the page, we can run from being God's witnesses today. So our hearts determine our worship. Our hearts determine our worship. And if the will of the, God, if the, will of the king, if King Jesus and the way of the kingdom is not on the throne of our hearts, we too think kingdom can end up not being God's witnesses. For me, I've learned even more over this pandemic that I really have to be intentional on what's forming my heart. That I literally have to do a lot of self-examination 
of the content that I'm viewing, that I'm listening to, and whatever I'm ingesting. And that's the reality of every human being, is that we are being formed by something. And we're being formed by some things which lead to certain ends. So the question that we have to pay attention to is what is forming us and to what end? And I say this because literally this has us running away from being a witness to the kingdom of God today and we won't even realize it. Like we won't, we won't even know that we're not being a witness to the people around us. I want us to, to deeply think what we consume will form our hearts. What we consume will form our hearts because it shapes our loves. It shapes our longings. It shapes our desires. And the main articles of our culture, books, music, television, social media, group messaging can form one for walking in godliness or form another for partaking in evil. So I have an application question for us. Is what we are proclaiming consistent with the way of the kingdom? Or is it the kingdom of my heart or the kingdom of this world? There's three ways it could go. We can either be walking in the way in the will of the kingdom of God. We can be walking in the will and the way of the kingdom of our own hearts or we could be seduced by the kingdom of this world. So our idols, our God replacements, our biases, our biases, our desires, our longings can honestly keep us from witnessing for Christ and his kingdom today. So we have to, we have to do that hard work. Next application question. Do you want to be known as a disciple who ghosted Jesus? Do you want to be known as that disciple who ghosted Jesus? Will we be Peter before the resurrection or Peter after Pentecost? That is what we have to tell ourselves. Which Peter do we want to be? Do we want to, do we want to follow after? Our hearts and whether we let sin continue to live rent-free in our hearts, we'll decide if Jesus will be able to, if we'll be able to save people through our witness. And I want y'all to, I want y'all to picture this now. Have you ever tried to hike or run with a 25 or 50 pound bag of weight on your back? You might be able to start the journey off okay. You're like, yeah, I got this. I got this. But you quickly realize <laughs> you can't go that far without feeling those effects. Exhaustion and fatigue quickly brings you down. You can't even leave you a little bit disoriented. About to just pass out. I want y'all to know in a similar way Sin weighs us down and leaves us so unalert to what's going on around us. And that's why a daily confession of sin and repentance is so important to our lives. We ain't no good to ourselves 
or others when we too comfortable in our sins. When we acted like we could just be laid up in the couch with our sin. Come on now. We won't finish the race that the Lord has set for us. Before us. And that's not what the great cloud of witnesses wants to become your story. The beauty of the race that we run in Christ is that we don't, we don't do it alone. And that God's presence, it never leaves us. We have to be so grateful, Holy Spirit. He is our God in our lives, and he's our God and our witness. He shows his grace for Jonah and his witness in our text, too, as we turn the page that God saves the sailors through Jonah's reluctant witness. So now we're, we're turning, we, turn, we, we looked at the first half of the book, of this, of this chapter. We looked at what, what's the problem in the text. But now we, we, we turn to the other side. It's all grace the rest of the way, y'all. So Jonah, Jonah just wasn't with us, we have discovered. He wasn't with God. But God didn't leave this as just is, like, yo, he's running his way, everything's going to be okay. God didn't leave it that way. God made it clear to Jonah that he was pointing out his disobedience. Think about it. He casted the lots. And God let the sailors know that Jonah was the problem. If his weird vibes didn't already do it for the sailors, God said it loud and clear like a child playing in a game of tag. He's it. When the sailors confronted Jonah after the casting of lots, he doesn't, he does lead the unbelievers, the beautiful thing, to the one true and living God. Let's look at verse 9. It says, at the end of it, it says, I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Uh-oh, Jonah, wake it up a little bit. So literally, after he had to make a, a, a tsunami come on the seas, Jonah is waking up out of his faith, oh, to God. And because he awoken, the sailors were able to, to see not just the gods, the gods anymore, but they were able to see God. It says in verse 10, then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him what is this you've done the men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them so like I was saying no longer are they crying out to these so called gods and fearing them the sailors but they, they, they are on the same wave as the one true and living God so if we think about it today it's literally like you know, those, you know, people who don't know the Lord, they call out, uni, they call out to the universe. They say, uni, they, universe, can you help me? They're crying out to him. Now, those same people that you know in your lives that cry out to the universe, this is like them crying out to Jesus. That's literally what is going on in those verses. And all the time, <laughs> Jonah actually is still in his rebellious feels. Jonah still hasn't repented, if y'all haven't paid attention. And trying to lead the sailors to a solution to this great crisis, Jonah is just like, 
you could kill me. I'm good. Look, that's what, he, that's what he literally says in verse 12. So I want, I want to, 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 to show to y'all something that's very clear with Jonah. His first response is not repentance, but death. And boy, oh boy, that is a problem. If, if that ain't a hard head and a cold heart, I literally don't know what it is. That Jonah is willing to just end his life. But even when Jonah didn't give God, mo- God much, won't he do it? Won't he do it? The sailors realized they couldn't make their rescue happen in their own strength. Because you see in, what's that, verse 13, they, they try to, it's like, uh, let, let's see if we could, um, let's see if we could row our way back. Yeah, it wasn't happening. So they finally decided to listen to what Jonah said. So in the sacrifice of the one, he saved the many. Hmm. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sweet mercy for the sailors. And in response to his mercy and grace, what did the sailors do? But praise the Lord. Pete, verse 16. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord. And they offered a great sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Family, my, my, my heart rejoices when I, when I read that. That these people who once did not know God before they got on that boat are now following the one true and living God. Just like the baptisms that we see and that we should be celebrating, we should be, our hearts should be leaping for joy anytime we see a moment of salvation in the scriptures. Because it's a reminder of the gospel story on how God brought us to his story. But God, he wasn't in his grace done with Jonah. As we see at the close of this chapter, is Jonah, where'd Jonah wind up? Jonah wound up being in the belly of a, of a great fish. Hmm, that sounds kind of normal, does it? Y'all with me? Does that, that sound normal to y'all? People just going up into the belly of the fish? And, mm, I don't know about that one. But I I feel it has to leave us in awe. That, just think about it. What God can do with a backslidden prophet to lead others to faith in God. A non-repentant prophet led people to, to faith in God. Wow. We have yet to see any picture of confession of sin or repentance. But we see God using Jonah to draw others to himself. And something I want to make clear to y'all, it's in the small moment of faith in our lives that God can plant great seeds of faith in others. I'll say that one more time. It's in the small moments of faith in our lives that God can plant great seeds of faith in the life of others. So this is what he did through the reluctant witness of Jonah. And if he did it through Jonah, imagine 
what he could do through you. Biblical truth like Jonah 1, it literally reminds us how radical and amazing grace is. And we don't save ourselves, but the power of God does. Let's turn the page. Jesus saves people through any witness. May the truth of this statement bring hope and encouragement to your heart. Family. The pressure isn't on us. For a lot of reasons, we might not be where we want to be in our journey with Jesus right now. And let's just be brutally honest with ourselves. But, child of God, Jesus can use your witness to bring somebody from death to life. Jesus saves. We don't. Just be faithful. We don't have to carry our guilt, our fear, our shame, our anxiety, because we haven't been the consistent witness for Christ that the Great Commission calls us to. The life of Jonah has shown us that there is grace for us today. We just got to join Jesus and his renewal project as he is making all things new. The kingdom of God is near and most of the people on our blocks and our workplaces, our schools, they don't know that. We just have to say yes to Jesus and his call. Can I get a witness? That's what we have to answer to. We have to say, yes, Jesus, you can get a witness. As I spent time with my sons this morning, I said, I said, boys, can we get a witness? What did they say? No. Repeatedly, no, no, no. But for the kingdom, family, can, God is calling us. Can I get a witness? Jonah shows us Jesus works through even those of ye of little faith. It's not a call to wear our mask when we witness to others. We can be honest with our parents, our children, our siblings, our coworkers, our neighbors. We can be honest. We can share the struggles of our lives that we ain't got it all put together because we ultimately point people to Jesus and how he's healing and restoring your story. We are an imperfect people with a perfect savior who is inviting those around us to enjoy peace and wholeness in him. That's what you're pointing people to. You're pointing people to Jesus. So the kingdom as a family let us commit to growing deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. As we attempt to love Jesus more deeply, we can let the overflow of our love go to those of people who are around us. That the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love. And how we care for others is always going to speak to the presence of his kingdom before we can ever speak a word. Of his kingdom. We don't have to run 
from our witness. But we could be bold and free because our greater Jonah is the one who saves. Our greater Jonah, who left the comfort of heaven to come as a baby into this broken down, raggedy world, to live a sinless life on our behalf and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom at hand while he lived. And then on that Friday, he went to that cross willingly. Not because the devil made him do it, but willingly he went to the cross. And naked and unashamed, he bought brought all the weight of our sin, past, present, and future. And that he thought about you over 2,000 years ago. And that, and that greater Jonah, that the one died for the many, that we could be part of that story, that he who dwelled in that ground for three days could rise again to let us know that the new creation has begun and that we could be a part of it. That we can recover and pursue the design for our lives that God is, call, is calling you to. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning who may have been struggling with their faith. Struggling with how do I how do I, I know that I'm beloved, but now I want to witness what I know to those around me. That I want to be um, not a disrupting witness, not, not on the same page with my king, but that I want to be that disruptive witness wherever he wants to use me. That was Pastor Ramon kicking off our new series, Disruptive Witness. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. If you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and be sure to check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go on back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.